Um, before we get started, I just wanted to, uh, I, I noticed in the back here, and I've seen some posters up, I see that in September uh, you're going to have uh, Dr. John Getch as a guest speaker here. Um, I don't know if you've all heard uh, Dr. Getch preach, uh, but that is a real treat. Uh, I, I myself I'm going to try to work it out with my pastor. I'm hoping that we can come up. We're supposed to start a revival on the 11th through the 14th, uh, but uh, I'm hoping to be able to come up at least the uh, 9th and 10th. I'm hoping to stay the 11th as well. I would love to hear, uh, I love to hear, uh, Dr. Getch is one of my favorite preachers to hear uh, preach. I mean, uh, he's, uh, he's today's prince of preachers uh, in my, my take. So uh, I love to hear him preach. So I see there's a sign-up sheet in the back there um, for a, a deal on Saturday going to have pizza. So opportunity to go out and spend some time with Dr. Getch and uh, pick his brain. He, he, he's more of an introvert, but if you talk to him, he'll talk to you. And he'll, uh, he's, he's got a wealth of uh, knowledge, especially if you have Bible questions. So, um, and I would, rec I, I, I would encourage everyone here to invite somebody. Uh, you have him. You have a special guest here, and uh, we need to fill these pews up. Uh, we need to get as many people in these pews as possible because, um, and can he he expound the word of God? And so it would be great to see inviting friends and and, and I don't know you know uh, neighboring churches that uh, get get people in here at least on that Friday Saturday. I understand Sunday they'll have their own church services, but. There's no reason they can't come in here and fill these pulpits up, or fill these uh, pews up on on uh, Friday and Saturday. So, uh, what a blessing. Uh, with that, <coughs> I'm sorry I don't have a handout for tonight's uh, lesson, um, but we're going to be looking at the subject of worry. How not to worry. Uh, before we get into it, I want to open up in a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll get into our text this evening. Heavenly Father, Lord in heaven, I just thank you again uh, for your word, for its truth. Uh, Father, as we look into the subject of worry tonight, help us to put our faith and trust in you, <clears throat> to know that um, you're a big God, and Father, we don't have to worry. We bring our, all of our cares, um, cast all of our cares upon you, Father. You, we know that you care for us. You'll take care of us. So, Father, I just pray tonight that this message will be a blessing. Uh, it will be a, a help of those who maybe struggle with worry in their life. Father, help us to, again, put our faith and trust in you. I'm thankful for uh, my salvation. Put my faith and my trust in your Son to deliver me uh, from this wicked world that one day I'll serve you in eternity in heaven. And I'm thankful for that. And I don't have to fear death anymore. So thank you, Father, for that. Uh, fill me with your spirit now. Use me mightily for your honor and your glory. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, again, just two verses tonight, but uh, two verses that speak volumes to us. Uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
As I said, tonight I want to preach on the subject of worry. And I would really appreciate your prayers because I've been worried about preaching on this subject. So, but uh, ideally, we have just come out of a very scary time, uh, COVID. COVID put the fear in a lot of people. Um, I'll tell you what, I was praying during the whole time that this COVID epidemic was going on. I thought to myself, man, what would happen in this country if we would fear the Lord as much as we fear COVID? You know, um, there are a lot of people, a lot of churches, and I've talked to people that their churches shrunk over COVID. People still haven't come back. Even with what's going on today, majority of people are not wearing masks anymore. Majority of people are just over it. Um, though there's those who've gotten the, uh, the vaccinations, those who haven't gotten the vaccinations, and we're not even hearing much about COVID anymore. Oh, yeah, over here, there's a, now they're trying to bring this up for monkeypox. You know, it's, it's just something else. <clears throat> but God doesn't want us to worry about things. He doesn't want us to worry about COVID. He doesn't want us to worry about where our next meal is going to come from. He doesn't want us to worry, okay? He, he, uh, so I want to try and encourage you tonight through God's word to stop putting so much emphasis on worrying about things that actually may never happen. You know, they're talking about the monkeypox now, and everybody's getting worried. It hasn't even blown up into an epidemic. So why should we worry about it if it may never even happen? I want you to realize that worry is a sin. Okay, worry is a sin. God doesn't want us to worry. We serve a big God, and we should not worry about every little thing that may or may not happen. Because no matter what, God will take care of us. James Cash Penny, that's right, the man who started J.C. Penny stores. He made some unwise commitments and became very depressed. He worried so much that he developed shingles. He went to see his doctor who admitted him to the hospital, but his condition became worse. One night, he was prescribed a sedative that quickly wore off, and he awoke believing that he would die that night. He wrote letters to his family and then fell asleep. He woke up the next morning and was surprised that he was still alive. He heard people singing, God will take care of you in the chapel. So he went in. He listened to the singing and message with a heavy heart. But then something happened. He later said, I realized then that I alone was responsible for my troubles. I knew that God, with his love, was there to help me. He said that from that day forward, his life was free of worry. And it was all because he realized that God would take care of him. That's what we have to get in our life. Is COVID real? Sure. But do we have to worry about it? Or are we going to put trust, our trust in him? As Christians, we really shouldn't worry about it. What do I have to fear? Oh, that I could get COVID and die and spend the rest of eternity in heaven? I mean... Would that be all that bad? <laughs> this is something we should all remember. It's easy to think it, but it's much harder to practice, right? I heard about a guy who was tired of worrying so much, he decided that he could, if he could just figure out what it is he worried about, then he'd take his focus off. Uh, he could get his focus off of that. 
he would be able to stop being such a worrywart. If he could just figure out, what is it I'm always worrying about? What is it that concerns me so much? And if I could get my mind off of that, I can have victory over this worry. So he decided to sit down. He wrote down on a piece of paper, and at the top of that piece of paper, he wrote, things I worry about. Number one, everything. You're going to have a tough time beating worry if you worry about everything, right? So tonight, my proposition to you this evening is, do you worry about everything? Are you a worry wart? This, morning I want, or this evening, I want to show you three explicit calls from, the, from our text that will show us how not to worry. And the first call is a call to refocus. A call to refocus. Look in verse 6 here. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing, it says. Um, actually, let's just read the whole thing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Understand that the word worry comes from a German word, or derivative, that means to choke. And that's exactly what worry will do to you is if you constantly are worrying. It will choke the life out of you. Um, there are uh, side effects to worrying. We have physical side effects. Loss of hair. Gray hair. No, it's not all worry, too. Kids do it, too. Okay, Gray hair is not just about worrying. Kids, kids do it to you, too. But, but people lose hair. They worry so much, they, they start to lose their hair. Loss of sleep, staying up all night, worrying about something. Uh, instead of you know, trusting in the Lord and letting the Lord deal with it, we, we lose sleep. And of course, that affects our health. How about st- our stomach gets in knots? People develop ulcers because they worry so much. You heard the idea, you'll worry yourself sick. It's literally true. You can worry yourself sick. But we must understand there's also spiritual side effects. Worry will choke the joy, love, and peace right out of your life. You can't have joy. You can't have peace if you're worried all the time. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says three times in that chapter, take no thought, take no thought, take no thought. But if we were to put that in our words today... It would be, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Jesus tells us he doesn't want us to worry. May I say this, if God says do not worry, if Jesus is telling us do not worry, and you're worrying, this is disobedience. Jesus is telling us not to worry about things, and we do it anyway. So that's direct disobedience, and therefore it is sin. God's word tells us worry is sin. But God lets us know we don't have to live this this way. We don't have to live a life of worry. Look at right there in verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry. Uh, If we're in Australia, they'd say no worries, right? It's a saying they love to say over there. No worries. God's Word tells us, uh, or... uh, the, the man who wrote this, all right, when we look at this, Philippians, we know that Paul, Paul is the author of the book of Philippians. He wrote it. He's the, the, the human author. 
I would say that Paul had plenty of things to worry about, right? I think Paul had plenty of things he could worry about. If you, if you just roll back and look at verse 2, it says, I beseech Yodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Right here, uh, Paul could be worried about division in the church because that's what's happening here. Uh, these, are, these are two women in the church who have become divided over something. We don't know what it is, but he's saying, look, you need to be of the same mind. You need to be come, come together in unity. Um, Paul had uh, developed this church. You can imagine that he's, there's concern there. He could worry, oh, this could cause a, a church split, you know. And he doesn't want that. That's not all. He could have worried about detainment. I mean, and when he wrote the book of Philippians, he was in a Roman prison chained to a Roman guard. Uh, he could have been worried about that. I don't think he did. I don't think he was worried one bit about it. In fact, what's really cool is we know that there's another time in Paul's life when him and Silas were preaching. And remember, uh, they were taken, the, the, uh, I think it was in Derby. I, I don't remember the exact town he was in. But I just remember, I do remember that Paul and Silas were, were flogged for it. And then they were put in prison and in stocks. They were put in stocks, right? And in Acts 16, verse 25, it said, this is, this is Paul and Silas. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Doesn't sound like he's too worried to me. He's praying and singing praises to God. Thank you, Lord, for sticking me in prison. There's a lot of sinners down here. And I get a chance to reach them. You know, it's, it's our perspective. We, we, we dwell too much on our circumstances and don't think about, maybe there's some opportunities here. We don't look forward to the opportunities. There are things that, that we don't have to worry. We've got to remember as Christians, uh, Jesus, it's uh, like Rand, Brother Randy said back here, he, he gave praises to God because God will never leave you nor forsake you, no matter where you are. Uh, talking this morning as I, as I was given, what about Joseph? The life of Joseph, sold into sl slavery by his own brothers, ultimately ends up in prison. I mean, doing all the right things. As a slave, he became the top slave in his master's home. He had access to everything in Potiphar's house but Potiphar's wife. And who turned out to be his downfall? Potiphar's wife. So then he ends up in prison. Did everything right. Uh, did he... Do we see when we look at the life of Joseph, Joseph worrying? and uh, was, he, was he freaking out? No. No, in fact, it's awesome that when, when he gets to the end, towards the end, and, and Joseph, uh, when Jacob dies and Joseph dead, the brothers are all freaking out, going, ah, and here they go, start worrying. Oh, Joseph's going to take his revenge now. Dad's out of the picture. He's going to take it. He, he's the second most powerful man in Egypt, and here we are living in Egypt. We're going to prison. He's going to do bad things to us. What, is, what does Joseph say? Who am I? Am I God? That's not for me to do. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So whatever circumstance you find yourself in, don't worry about it. Hand it over to the Lord. Give it over to the Lord. I'd say he could have been worried about death, but I don't think he was. In 1 Corinthians 15.55, it was Paul who said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, 
Where is thy victory? Paul wasn't worried about much because Paul was close to God. And that's what happens. If you stay close to God, you have nothing to worry about. Why didn't the Apostle Paul worry about these things? Because he, uh, because he always remained in the presence of God. So I want you to see, especially when we look at that second instance of Paul in detainment, when I showed you that Paul and Silas, what did they do? They sang praises to God. They prayed and sang praises to God. I want you to see the alternative of worry is worship. That's what Paul did. He worshipped. Prayer is a form of worship. Singing praises is a form of worship. You know, entering into the presence of God. When I enter into the presence of God, uh, my God gets big and my problems get really small. Right? And that's the thought we should take. When we enter into the presence of God, our problems, our God gets big, but our problems get small. Nothing's too big for God to handle. Nothing's too small for, for us to bring to Him. When I in, uh, so... Um, when I enter into the presence of God, His presence overshadows my problems, my circumstances, the uncertainties of my future. And I think we need to get into the presence of God. That's what we really need. No worries, but the presence of God. Your worries cannot survive in the secret place of the Most High. Worship is a worry killer. Right? Worship is a worry killer. I love this quote from Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom once said, Look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. Look to Jesus and be at rest. Look to Jesus. Get into the presence of God. Where is your focus tonight? Where is your focus? Paul is telling us to stop dwelling on our problems and to start dwelling in His presence, in God's presence. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. That's key. Thou wilt keep him in perfect Therefore, you can have perfect peace if your mind is stayed on God and you put your trust in him. And we talked about that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Memorize scripture. You know, hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. But we might say, hide God's her word in your heart that you might not worry. Because we can, we can defeat sin, and worry is a sin. But there you go, hide God's word in your heart that you might not worry. And that's a great one. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let God have control of the situation. So where's your focus tonight, believer? Where's your focus? Are you focusing on the negative? Because that's what leads to worry. That's what leads to worry. I love what Philippians 4.8 says. This is where our focus should be. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. That's Philippians 4.8 if you're taking notes. Um, it's a great verse. We need to be thinking on these things. When, uh, when you look, in fact, that's just down, it's right there, down there, a few verses. If you look at this list, every one of these items is, is life. Really, I mean, uh, it, look at the list there in 4.8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things, we talked about 
truth today. Okay, right? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest and just and pure and lovely and of a good report, they're all positive things. That's where we need to keep our focus. The problem with worry is we often worry about things that will never happen. Remember, I heard the story about an exasperated husband who asked his wife, why are you always worrying when it doesn't do any good? She quickly piped back, oh, yes, it does. 90% of the things I worry about never happen. (laughs) So, but think about it. 90% never happen. Why are we wasting our time losing sleep, losing hair, um, stomach problems, can't eat, I mean, I could stand to not eat a little, but I don't want to lose weight through worry. But that's the problem with worry. Most of the time we worry about things that are never going to happen. They're never going to happen. Uh, you know, something that came to my mind as I remember as a young kid, you know, and, and uh, them showing us videos, you know, going to school in the late 70s and, and 80s, seeing the videos of what kids went through back in the 50s and and 60s with their little uh, nuclear bomb drills, getting under their desk. That'll save you, knowing what a nuclear bomb was going to do. But there was all this worry, and how do we handle it? I mean, if a nuke falls in your town, there ain't a desk big enough to save you. So... But I think, I, I look back on that and I thought, that's kind of funny. I mean, they're worrying about something and it never came, it never happened. Um, and, and, and again, people were worrying. I heard people, oh, Russia's invading Ukraine. We're going into World War III. Nukes, he's going to fire nukes. He's going to fire off nukes. That's all we've heard. And I've heard a lot of people saying, what are you worrying about? So how can we beat worry? How can we beat worry? How do we keep from worrying about stuff? I love what Psalms 1, verses 1 and 2 says. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate, and in his law doth he, doth he meditate day and night. May I say to you tonight, blessed is the man who dwells in the Word and who, also, who, uh, and, uh, and who also allows the Word to dwell in him. Blessed is the man who dwells in the Word and who also allows the Word to dwell in him. If you're meditating in God's Word, it's going to be really hard for worry to get a hold on you. Staying in the Word, meditating on the Word as we get into the Word. Joshua 1.8 tells us, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. If we're in the Word of God, if we're learning, we talked about knowing the truth, and we get in here and we develop our relationship with Jesus Christ, and we start to do what the Word says, we're going to have success. And when we're having success, and when things are good, there's, not a, there's no worries. There's no worries. So where's your focus tonight? Some of us need to refocus and get our hearts and our minds and our thoughts off the problems and get them focused on the Lord Jesus. So tonight, <clears throat> we have seen the first explicit call from our text, showing us how not to worry. The call to refocus. 
Our second call is a call to request. A call to request. So our call to focus we see in verse 6 is be careful for nothing. But our call to request is immediately following. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I want you to see from our text tonight, we need to bring our worship to God before our wants. We need to bring our worship before our wants. I want you to still notice there, notice how it says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, that's the tool, that's what you're going to use, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Thanksgiving comes before your requests. Let's put our worship and thank God for all that He's done for us in our lives now. Thank Him for our salvation. Thank Him for His provision. Uh, thank Him for everything He's done, everything He's going to do. But then you can bring your requests to Him. How do we approach God? Is it with a greedy spirit or a grateful spirit? Psalm 100, verse 4, I love this verse. It says, enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. When we come before God, we ought to thank him for what he has done, past and the future, before we start asking him for anything. So let your requests be made known unto God. It's okay, let's first and foremost get that thanksgiving, but then bring your request to him. God wants to help you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Hebrews 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come boldly to the throne of God and cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. God wants to know what you are worried about. So take your worries to the Lord. This is the call to request. You can't get his help if you don't request it. Uh, James tells us in uh, James 4, verse 2, we have not because we ask not. How can we complain to God? Well, God, you're not, you're not meeting my needs. Well, trust me, he nails your needs before you pray for him. But he expects you to come to him and ask. Um, so go, don't be afraid to go to him. Don't be afraid. He wants to help you. So up to this point now, we've seen the call to refocus and the call to request. Let's look at our last call here. In verse 7, we see the, a call to relief. A call to relief. In verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So look at that. <clears throat> In verse 6, let your requests be made known unto God. In verse 6, it tells us to let your requests be made known unto God. And in verse 7, it says, and he will fulfill all your requests. Right? Is that what your Bible says? Because that's not what mine says. Okay, good. We're all using the King James. So, no, it doesn't say God's never promised to give us everything we ask for. Okay, we need to make sure that what we're asking for is in the will of God. Okay, there is scripture that says, oh, if you bring your request, he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, but your desires need to be his desires. Because, oh, yeah, I, I would desire to have, you know, I, I shared with you the last time I was up here preaching, I'm desired to have that three-quarter ton pickup truck. But if that's not God's desire, then it's not going to happen. So, 
we, we need to make sure we understand that our desires have to be his desires. And therefore, then, he will give us the desires of our heart. <clears throat> so, uh, God never promised in his word to fulfill all your requests. But he does promise to give us peace when we come to him. He will give us peace. He will help us through these difficult times. Understand, God always calms the servant, but he doesn't always calm the storm. He will always calm the servant, but he's not always going to calm the storm. Uh, Paul himself had a thorn in the flesh. He asked God to remove that thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was, some ailment, I believe, <clears throat> but he never took that thorn from the flesh. He calmed Paul's soul. He calmed his servant, but he allowed the storm to rage on in Paul's life. I love what J. Vernon McGee says regarding this entire, these two passages here. He says, notice that we entered this passage in anxiety, with worry, and we come out of the passage with peace. Between the two was prayer. <clears throat> to simplify this, it's simply saying that the, br the bridge between worry and peace is prayer. The br bridge between worry and peace is prayer. <clears throat> To better, uh, to better illustrate this, if you would, turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. <clears throat> in Daniel chapter 6, look down there in, uh, yeah, let's see. Start, I'll start in verse 8. Um, now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be, uh, be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, uh, which altereth not. Wherefore, King uh, Darius signed the writing and the decree. And then in verse 10, notice it says, And when Daniel knew the writing was signed. Now, that writing that was signed, I didn't go back, uh, I don't want to go through this whole thing, but... If you're familiar with the book of Daniel, you know that there were these uh, princes and governors that were really jealous of Daniel. And so they couldn't find any fault in him. So they found a way to create fault in him. And they, they tricked the king into making a law that nobody was to pray to their gods or for their king for 30 days. No prayer for 30 days. And Daniel when he knew that writing was signed, went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knee, knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. So what did they do? They went and told King Darius, hey, Daniel's messing up, man. He's, not, he's praying three times a day when he's not supposed to be praying at all for 30 days. We need to understand, we worry about a lot of things. COVID became a big worry. People quit going to church. God wants us to assemble. It's our freedom and our rights to assemble and to worship our God. And I'm not worried about COVID, and I had no worry, and I wanted to be in church. 
<clears throat> I was willing to do the six-foot separation. We separated stuff, but we still wanted to assemble. God expects us to assemble. And when, when somebody creates something that, and they make up some law that you can't assemble anymore because of this COVID, but I can still go to Walmart, um, I have a problem with that. And therefore, we need to be like Daniel, who said, no, God expects me to pray daily, and I pray three times a day. And he puts us to shame. I know he puts me to shame. And praying three times a day, we still need to be, but did Daniel worry about it? No, he went and prayed with his windows wide open. He wasn't even trying to be hiding it. He wasn't even hiding it because he trusted in his God. He put his faith and trust in God. Daniel was praying and making supplication. Maybe he was on his knees saying, God, they don't want me to pray to you, so you need to protect me because I'm going to continue praying. God, take care of me. And what happens? Daniel entered into the lion's den in perfect peace because these guys brought it to the king. Daniel's doing what he's not supposed to be doing. You wrote it. It said right there what we read. You cannot go against the laws of the Medes and the Persians. <clears throat> when a law was written, it couldn't be taken away. And the king was stuck. And he loved Daniel. And it, it tore him up to put him into the lion's den. But he had to do it. And I want you to see, look, look what the king says in verse 16 here. In verse 16 of chapter 6. The king says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually... He will deliver thee. I think a lot of times <clears throat> when we have troubles and we, we enter into trials and we, we, we think to ourselves, I'm not going to worry about this. God's got it. God's got this. I'm, I'm not, you know what? I'm going to trust in the Lord in this. But then I want you to see, go down here and look, and uh, we see in verse 6, he tells Daniel his God will deliver him. Now look at verse 18. Verse 18, Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. See, King Darius didn't believe what he told Daniel. He didn't believe that Daniel's God would deliver him. He was, he was concerned about it. He never slept the entire night. He didn't allow music to be played. He was, he's fasting. He probably couldn't eat, even if he wanted to. He was unable to eat. So, <clears throat> he didn't believe what he said. He didn't believe what he had told Daniel. He was up all night. If you're filled with worry today, you're standing on one of two sides. You're standing on the side of worry, and you're over here worried about everything, <clears throat> or you're standing over here and you have peace with God. You have the peace of God. <clears throat> There's the side of peace and the side of worry. Which side of the passage are you standing on? If you're on the side of peace, you have to, you, the only way to get to the side of peace is through prayer. The only way you're going to get to the side of peace is through prayer. If you're on the side of worry, trust me, if you're over there on that side of worry, God's on the side of peace. 
And he's saying, come on, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. Get over here. You don't have to, I don't want you over there. I want you over here with me. Because see, did you notice where God is? He's on this side. And when you're worrying, you're not with God. You're away from God. Because you know that if you're in the loving embrace of your God, and He's got His arms wrapped around you, and you feel that comfort and that protection, you have nothing to worry about. Our Heavenly Father is there to take care of us. So I'm asking you today, which side are you on? The peace of God is a wonderful thing, and it is available to every Christian. A submarine was being tested and had to remain submerged for many hours. When it returned to the harbor, the captain was asked, How did the terrible storm last night affect you? The officer looked at him in surprise and exclaimed, Storm? We didn't even know there was one. The sub had been so far beneath the surface that it had reached the area known to sailors as the cushion of the sea. Although the ocean may be whipped into huge waves by high winds, the waters below are never stirred. The Christian's mind will be protected against the distracting waves of worry if it is resting completely in the good providence of God. There, sheltered by His grace and encouraged by His Holy Spirit, the believer can find the perfect tranquility that only Christ can provide. Christ is the peace that passes all understanding. So there is a difference between the peace of God and having peace with God. Understand that there is the difference between the peace of God and having peace with God. We see the peace with God in Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What that's saying is, when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior... You are justified. It's justified, not sinned, because now I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. My sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. God's forgiving us. God's forgiven us. We now have peace with Him. We're not in in that turmoil with Him. May I say to you tonight, every Christian, every Christian has the peace with God, but not every Christian has the peace of God. Now, maybe you're here tonight, you're a sinner, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says you can have the peace with God. The Bible says Jesus made peace through the blood of His cross. And maybe you're here tonight thinking, Pastor Jim, I don't have that. I don't have the peace with God. I'd like to have that. I'd like you to know that, come talk to me afterward. I can, I can show you how you can have peace the peace with God. The Bible says, these things are written that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can have the peace with God. God's guaranteed that. You can have it tonight. We can take a Bible and show you how you can be saved. Christian, which side of the passage are you on tonight? Are you on the side of worry? Or peace of God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord in heaven, again, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be able to preach from your word. And Father, I, I'm thankful for uh, the Apostle Paul. 
I'm thankful that you just put on his heart to teach us how we can have victory over worry in our life. How we can have the peace that passes all understanding. We have the peace with God through our salvation, Father. But we don't always have the peace of God because we, we fail to, to remember that you're there. You want us to cast all our cares upon you. You want us to come to you and let you hold us in your loving arms and embrace us and take care of us through the difficult times, through the storms of our life. As we go through the fiery furnace, Father, help us to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were standing with Jesus Christ in that fiery furnace. And the fire and the flames never touched them. But Father, oftentimes we fail to see that Jesus is there for us and we allow the flames of worry to consume us. Help us not to do that, Father. I pray that tonight's message will be a blessing to those who struggle with worry. I pray that they will see that they have a way out. Now, Father, I pray that you'll be with us as we go our separate ways. I pray, Father, that you'll bring everyone back here safely at the next appointed time. And may our words and our actions and everything we do this week, I pray that it will be pleasing in your sight. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen.